Well, it is good to have you here this morning, and I was sharing with someone a little bit earlier that when you're standing here, these lights are quite bright, and you really can't see who's out there. Uh, so if you make enough noise and activity, I'll just think the whole place is full. And uh, that's how we're going to preach this morning, because God speaks through his word, whether you're here or whether you're somewhere else. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not bound by the walls of a facility. Uh, the Holy Spirit works in and through the preaching and the teaching of his word. And uh, I'm praying this morning that he will touch your hearts and he will speak to you individually. He will speak to you corporately, whether you're present here or in your home. Maybe you're gathered at home and you have family who normally doesn't come. This is, this is a great time to, to hear God's word and see what we do here. Uh, and so I, I'm grateful for that opportunity. And it's not going to change one bit how I preach or what I preach or anything else. Uh, I just love to preach. If there was one person here, I'd preach to them for twice as long just to make sure I covered everything. So, so we are in good shape. And, and certainly these are challenging times. But uh, God's family, the, the, the body of Christ, has always faced challenging times. And the question is, take away all of these challenges. Uh, that's not, shouldn't be our prayer. Our prayer should be, how do we manage them and navigate through them to keep ourselves focused on what is true and what is right in the kingdom of God? So this morning, I'm going to share with you a message that, uh, that is in, in line with where we have been focusing. A um, few weeks ago, Pastor David preached uh, a challenge from Matthew chapter 9, verses 30. Uh, 7 and 38 about going out into the harvest for the harvest is white uh, ready to be picked and to pray for the Lord of the harvest harvest to send out laborers into that harvest then last week I shared with you about some characteristics of the Lord of the harvest who he is and you may recall that I focused on three areas his unlimited love his uncompromising truth and his unrelenting mission. And so this morning, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 16 because I want to continue on that, that idea. And I've kind of titled this Jesus on Mission, but with the subtitle of Out of God's Way and Into His Will. Because there are many times in our lives as Christ followers that we think we're doing the right thing, and it's not so much that, that we're maliciously in rebelliousness against God, but sometimes we just are in his way because we're not thinking like he is. We're not following him like we should. Remember, God's ways are different than our ways. And how God does things many times is totally out of uh, our, our understanding. In fact, even in this situation where many churches uh, have not have asked their folks to stay home and watch their services online. And I kind of was thinking about this, and I thought, wow, they could go through Facebook or different channels, and they could get to the, to the guy that they really like and just hang out there. You have a wide variety to hear the Word of God this morning. Uh, but I'm glad that you're here, so stay here. And in the comment section that David mentioned, just don't say anything about the message. Don't give me a 3.5 or an 8.9. Don't do any of that. Uh, because it, hopefully this is God going to be speaking to us through his word. It's not that this is not a ser serious situation, but it's not a situation that should divert us from our mission. 
Our mission never changes, no matter what happens in the world. God's love is there to provide for us, to encourage us, to challenge us, to comfort us, to strengthen us, to bring healing. God is always there. The Holy Spirit is always going to be working, whether we are gathered in a, a central place or whether we're scattered around. So don't think of it in those terms. God is going to speak to us this morning and challenge us about something that is really a problem sometimes in our individual lives as well as in the body of a church because God does things differently. There's an old hymn called I Am Resolved and it says, I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I am resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin and strife. He is the true one. He is the just one. He has the words of life. That resolve to do whatever God has called us to do the way God wants it done is really important. And it's one of those things that when we give our life to Christ as a Christ follower, we are surrendering ourselves to his will. I'm not sure we always communicate that well to those who are new believers because we don't get them right, rightly involved in a discipleship program to help them understand the meaning of what it is to be a Christ follower. But really, in reality, we have surrendered ourselves so that whatever God wants to do, however God wants to do it, we should be in alignment with it. But sometimes we can get in the way of that. Sometimes instead of walking with him, we're walking against him. Sometimes instead of following what he wants to do, we're getting in the way of what he's trying to do. Because we have our own agendas, we have our own ideas, we have our own desires. And that humanness and that fleshliness begins to take over. And we begin to protect and guard our agenda when in fact it's really in rebelliousness and, and in the way of what God's agenda is. And we never really want to get there in our lives. In Lincoln County, when Trudy and I were, uh, when I was pastored out at First Baptist Church Carrizozo, we uh, both became EMTs uh, with Lincoln County Ambulance Service back in the 80s, and uh, we served. It was a great way uh, for us to serve community, to be involved in community, to uh, have access in hospitals in Alamogordo up, or up in Rio Doso, uh, to have access to law enforcement. We really were able to uh, get totally involved. Um, but in the emergency room up at Rio Doso, I believe it was, it had a sign that said either lead, follow, or get out of the way. And, uh, and it was a great sign if people took it seriously uh, because sometimes we're not leading and sometimes we're not following. Sometimes we're just in the way. And when we're in the way, we either have to become a follower or we have to become a leader. Now, in the story that we're going to share this morning from Matthew chapter 16, there are a number of different things that we could focus on, but I'm really going to focus on Peter and his response to Jesus' mission statement and what Jesus needed to do and what he was going to do. So if you'll follow with me in Matthew chapter 16, I want to begin reading in verse 21. And if you would, uh, let's stand in honor of God's word this morning. We'll read verse 21 through uh, the end of that chapter. Matthew 16, beginning in verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples 
that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good would it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. For I tell you the truth, some stand, who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, right prior to the, and you may be seated, right before this takes place, Jesus is walking with his disciples and, and they are heading toward Jerusalem. And he asks them, who do people say that I, the son of man, am? Well, they say, some say that you are Elijah or a prophet. Uh, some say John the Baptist. And Jesus looked at them and said, well, who do you say that I am? And really, that's the question I think that everybody needs to ask. It's a question that Jesus would ask any of us, who do you say the Son of Man is? Some say he's a good teacher. Some say he was a prophet. Some say you know, he's a, he, a great humanitarian. Uh, some say he, he lived a good life. Some say he was just a good historic figure. But Jesus is saying, who do you say that I am? And Peter, in one of those wonderful moments where Peter uh, was just right on top of the mountain. I mean, he was right there, and he, he steps forward, and he says, you are Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So Peter is on this mountain now. Peter, uh, when normally Peter is just jumping ahead and running ahead and doing things without thinking a lot of times, because of his passion, because of his zeal, because of his, uh, how he, his character is, this is one of those moments when God spoke through Peter to proclaim that Jesus was the Christ. He is the Messiah. And Jesus acknowledges that. And then he goes on to begin to tell them some things about what he is doing on mission. And I want you to begin looking at this first statement for us. Jesus' focus was on the cross and his mission. Jesus' focus was on the cross because he said he must go to Jerusalem. He must die. The Bible tells us and Jesus tells us that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. From the very beginning, when God, even before he created the earth, God knew what was going to happen here. He knew that man was going to sin, that man was going to rebel, that they were going to need salvation, that Jesus Christ was going to have to come and die on a cross for them. This was all uh, long before we were ever born or that God even created us. There was this knowledge 
of how God was going to redeem us through his son, Jesus Christ. So when Jesus was born, he was born on mission. He came into the world and he came to his own, but his own rejected him. The world did not receive him, but he was on mission. He came for a purpose and he never lost sight of that purpose. Even prior to the cross in the garden, when he struggled with his humanity and his divinity, uh, he was all man and all God without taking away from either one. He struggled and said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Always on mission. He never moved away from that. He had to go to Jerusalem. He had to suffer and he had to die. Divine intent and purpose was revealed through Jesus to his disciples. He wanted them to know where they were headed and where they were going. Now, prior to this, Jesus had been preparing them. They had walked with him. They had seen him perform miracles. Uh, they had see, seen him engage different people in the community. The Pharisees said all kinds of things had taken place that they were watching. But this is that moment in time when Jesus reveals to them and Peter confirms as the Spirit of God speaking through him that he is the Christ, that he had to go to Jerusalem, he had to be turned over, and he had to die at their hands. Now, we know in reality, Jesus gave his life. Nobody took it from him. He gave it out of love, but he had to go through this process. This was the mission that he was given. And notice that when Peter confessed this, it was a true confession. It means that Peter, as the Spirit of God was speaking through him, acknowledged and confirmed what Jesus had been leading them to understand for all of this time. Did he totally understand it? No. But he was an announcement. It was a confession of who Jesus Christ was. The real question that we struggle with, I think, sometimes is uh, that we're, we're not always on mission with Jesus. Jesus came. He had a focus. And that focus was to accomplish what he came to do. That same focus and that same mission is transferred to us as his Christ followers. He has called us to be his disciples. He has called us to go out into the world and proclaim the good news, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. He has told us that we are supposed to, uh, that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we, it will begin in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. That is part of the overall mission that we have and each church and each individual has a has a type of mission that he has given them to impact their environment to impact their relationships to impact their community to work together to accomplish Jesus mission and the question is are we on mission with Jesus have we embraced his mission have we understood that in the process of embracing that mission, we're going to face some difficult times? Part of Jesus' mission was that he had to go to the cross. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says that he endured the cross, despising its shame. For the joy set before him, he endured it, despising it's shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the Father. And it's not that he was looking forward to the pain and rejection and suffering and the torture of the cross. He was looking beyond that to the ultimate outcome of the cross, which was redemption for every person who would receive him by faith. That's where our salvation comes from. Had he not endured the cross, we would not have salvation today. 
So when we look at the trials of life and we look at the, the challenges of life and we look at even the sufferings of life as a Christ follower, there is a greater purpose behind each one of those things. And it's a redemptive purpose because through those struggles, through those trials, through those challenges of life, God brings opportunities to us that we would not have otherwise. And is it not worth going through some suffering ourselves in order for someone else to come to know Christ as a result? And I think the, the, the answer to that is yes. Yes, if we have to go through some challenges, if we have to go through some suffering, if we have to go through some uncertainty, if those things open up doors that we can share the love of Christ, where we can minister to people we might not ever be able to minister to otherwise, then yes, it's always worth it. Jesus knew he had to go to the cross. Peter identified him as the Christ. But then there became a problem. And that's the second thing I want to talk to you about. Peter's focus was on Jesus, but not on his mission. Jesus fo or Peter's focus was on Jesus, but not on his mission. And this is really a, a, a powerful uh, passage. Because after he says this, and, and Jesus tells him that they're going, he's going to go to Jerusalem, and he's going to be turned over, uh, and he's going to have to die. But then on the third day, he would rise again. He mentioned that. Peter, it says, took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now that term rebuke means that, that it's a very active term. It means that, that he took him and, and he continually rebuked him. No, this isn't going to happen. I'm not going to let this happen. This isn't going to take place. We're going to protect you. I'm going to protect you. You're not going to go to Jerusalem. You're not going to die. And we look from this side of the cross at that and think, wow, Peter, you're, you're telling the Son of God what he's going to do here and that somehow you're going to protect him. It's not that Peter's intent was wrong, but where his focus was was wrong. He had his eyes on Jesus. He wanted to protect Jesus. He wanted to keep Jesus safe. He didn't want him to leave them. But he had totally taken his eyes off what the mission of Jesus was. And herein lies one of the great problems that I think we have in our faith. We take our eyes off Jesus' mission. We certainly want to keep our eyes on Jesus. We normally don't have a big issue with that. But sometimes we get in conflict with what the mission of Jesus is. And that's where we start to have all kinds of issues. It did not make sense to Peter that Jesus, who had just confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, he was the Christ, it did not make sense to him that he would go and let himself be captured and killed, even though he did say that he would rise again the third day. And here's the question. Have you ever found yourself truly keeping your eyes on Jesus, but getting in the way of the mission that Jesus has? 
And that happens when, when we get kind of confused and, and, and we're, we're, we're looking at, oh, yes, I love the Lord. I love to go to worship. I love to be in Bible study. I love all those things of being with him and him being with me. I love the fact that I can go and pray, uh, that I know he hears me. I, I love the, the comfort that he gives me, the assurance that he gives me in uncertain times. But when it comes to the mission of Jesus... That's where I think we lose sight. And when we get in conflict with the mission of Jesus, we literally are getting in the way of what he wants to do. Now, he is going to accomplish his, his overall mission, with or without us. I mean, that's the good news. Bad news is, is that sometimes we become a stumbling block to what Jesus wants to do. And we become a stumbling block when we start thinking about our desires and our mission and what we want to do and our agenda instead of looking at what he came to do and what he called us to do as his children. He never has yet come and said, what do you think about doing this? Have you ever had Jesus do that to you? Jesus has a mission. He didn't come to the religious leaders. He didn't come to his disciples. He doesn't come to us today and say, hey, I was thinking about doing this. What do you think? No. He always has a plan. And in his world, in his relationship with us, it's never a question of, what do you think about this? You think you can embrace this? It's always, this is what the mission is. This is what you need to do. Now get about doing it. And come together in unity to accomplish that mission of impacting the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Peter had become a stumbling block. He had gotten in the way. In fact, after he had this great mountaintop experience and revelation of who Jesus was, then Jesus, after Peter tells him, You're not gonna, this isn't going to happen, Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. Can you imagine from the peak to the valley that happened with Peter? He thought he was being protective. He thought he was going to, to keep Jesus safe. And then... Jesus, the one he loves, the one who he has his eyes on, tells him, get behind me, Satan, because you are a stumbling block to me. That had to be a crushing blow to Peter. Now, we, we understand Peter had ups and downs all along the way, just like you and I do, and he even denied Jesus three times. But at the end of the story, Jesus Asked Peter, do you love me, Peter? He said, yes, Lord. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord. Grace is about overcoming sin. Grace is about overcoming that time and those times in our lives when we become a stumbling block to the Lord so that grace can forgive our sin and we can get back in alignment with what his will is and get back in focus of what his mission is. And too often, conflict, when conflict begins to happen, we start looking inward at ourselves. And in a church, we start looking inward and we get kind of caught up with all these worldly things. And we get caught up with, with all kinds of stuff that gets us off focus of the mission. And Satan rejoices in that. If he can get us to be a stumbling block, even though our eyes are on Jesus, if our focus isn't on the mission... He's accomplished his purpose. We have to realize that we have to not only keep our eyes on Jesus, but we must keep our eye on the mission and stay focused 
on what the mission is. The third part of this in verses 23 through 25 deals with um, Jesus clarifying his focus for those called to his mission. And that's for every single person who is a Christ follower. We must remember that even when Jesus rebuked Peter, he did it in love. That may be hard to understand from the passage, but it's true because that is the very nature of who Jesus is. He understands us better than we understand ourselves. He knows more about us than we know about ourselves. He knows our thoughts. He knows the intent of our thoughts. He knows where we're at, and he knows we're going to stumble. He knows we're going to fall, and there's going to be times when we become stumbling blocks to his mission. But he loves us too much to leave us there, and he doesn't kick us out. He doesn't set us on the side, but he certainly clarifies for us what that mission is and helps us understand that we need to get back in the game, that we need to acknowledge the fact that we've been in his way and not in his will. His will is what drives everything, his will, not our will. His will is what gives us all that we need to accomplish the task of taking the gospel to a lost world. His will is what gives us the strength and the power to go out into the world, no matter what the circumstances are. And just like with Jonathan and his sword bearer, when they were about to go up to the Philistines, Jonathan looked at his sword bearer and said, the Lord can save by many or by few. It's his will that men need to be saved. It's his will that the gospel needs to be presented. We're either going to be a part of it or we're going to get in the way of it. And honestly, I don't want to get in the way of his will. When we walk through the kingdom, into the kingdom, as we go, uh, either we die or he comes and takes us to be home with him, the words we want to hear are, well done, good and faithful servant. A faithful servant does not determine his own direction, doesn't make his own plans, doesn't make, uh, make things happen for himself. A good servant is one who is obedient to the master. And no matter what the master wants to do, the servant follows and becomes part of that mission. Jesus clarified his mission. Now, um, Peter had allowed Satan to put doubt into his mind, just like Satan had put doubt into the mind of Adam and Eve in the garden. Peter was saying, my way is better than your way. Can you imagine? <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had this experience in your life. You're trying to, to make some decisions. You've been praying. You've been seeking God's direction. But you, in the back of your mind and deep in your heart, you really know what you want to do. And, you, and even though you're going through all the motions and you're asking all the right things and you're doing all the right praying, there's a hard issue inside where you're really saying, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm wanting him to bless that. I'm wanting him to embrace what I want to do instead of me surrendering to what he wants to do instead because it's so far distant from my agenda. I found myself that in that place over the years. I'm sure that maybe you have as well. That heart issue of stubbornness where we, though we don't say it in our words, our heart is saying, my way is better. My way is the way I should go. And you're asking him to embrace it. Well, that's not a place we ever want to find ourselves we certainly want to be where Jesus wants us to be. 
And we don't want to become a stumbling block to his will and his purpose. Now, here's where we need to stop for a moment. I want you to, uh, to ask you, did you catch what Jesus said to Peter? You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. You don't have in mind the things of God, the things of men. We focus on the temporary, where Jesus focused on the eternal. We focus on our wants and desires. He focuses on our need. We focus on earthly treasures, and he focuses on heavenly treasures. We focus on temporary happiness, and he focuses on the joy and the peace that passes understanding. You see, our focus sometimes is a worldly focus. That's why we have so many problems in our lives and in our churches at times. And, and James touches on this in James chapter 4. Uh, verse 1, and I just want to mention this and, and read this portion of Scripture because I think it is so real to our, our situation in life today. Um, in 1 Peter 4, uh, or, first, uh, or in James chapter 4, verse 1, um, listen to what he says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I find that to be really one of the things that causes most problems in our life, in our relationship, and in our churches. We're not looking at the things the way Jesus looks at them. We're looking at things the way we want them to be. We're looking for our own personal desires. We have our eyes on the things of men and not the things of God. And, if, if we, and we understand that God is in total control of everything. He knows everything in the past, the present, the future. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. We know from his word and what Jesus did for us on the cross. We know that when we surrender our life to him and we confess our sin and we repent of our sin, which means we change direction and we believe that what he did on the cross was sufficient to pay the price for our sin and ask him to come into our hearts and forgive our sin and give us eternal life, we understand all of that. The next step in that is being a Christ follower, one who follows him, not one who argues with him, not one who gets the way of his, in the way of his mission, not one who has a better idea on how to do things. And at the root of all of this is the love of Christ, which unifies us, because if everybody's eyes are on Jesus and everybody, everybody's eyes are focused on the mission of Christ, then it takes away all of those things that divide us, the things of men. That's how the world operates. That's how the world functions. That's why we're in such chaos. That's why we have ups and downs throughout our history. Because men want power. They want authority. They want their own way. 
Uh, they want to take instead of give. Uh, there's, there's sin that's involved in, in all of these things which cause great conflict. But in Christ, it's unified because we're all at the foot of the cross. We're all keeping our eyes on Jesus. We're all on the same mission, or we should be. We should all be in alignment with him. Every individual, every church, every body of Christ, every believer should be in alignment with the mission of Christ so that the things of men do not get in the way and become a stumbling block. And we would never, never want to hear Jesus say to you, get behind me, Satan, because you're a stumbling block. I, w- I, would, I would venture to say if we prayed for anything, that's something we should pray. God, how can I be in alignment with you? How can I quit thinking about my wants and desires? How can I think that somehow I'm going to protect your church or I'm going to protect your purpose here? Because we can't. The purpose is laid out. The journey's there. Uh, the, the pathway has already been given. The mission declared. Jesus paid the price on the cross and through the resurrection that we would become his disciples and we would carry out the mission all around the world. And it's a simple thing for us to have to, to do is to simply say, Lord, I surrender myself to whatever your will is, no matter what it looks like even when it doesn't make sense to me, and in probably especially when it doesn't make sense to me. That's what I love about how God works. When we rest in him and we're surrendered to him and we're allowing him to move and mold us and, and transition us and take us through, through the valleys as well as through the mountaintops, uh, through the trials and the struggles and the challenges and even the persecution, when he is in control and we are in submission to him, his mission and purpose gets fulfilled. This is why we see the church grow in such strength in places where there's such great persecution. Because they're not caught up with the things of man, they're totally sold out to Christ. That no matter what happens to them, no matter what sacrifices are being made, no matter what great oppression or persecution is taking place, they are in true alignment with the word of God. They're following the mission of Christ. They're meeting where they can meet. They're sharing the good news with those that they can share. And the Holy Spirit works and people are brought to the foot of the cross and people are saved and the church is strong. And though they may not be many, they are a powerful force because there's nothing getting in the way of what Jesus is doing. And then we look where we have all the freedom that we have. And we have all the books and we have all the Bibles and we have everything available that you could possibly want to have. And yet we struggle. And we struggle because sometimes the things of men get in the way of the will and the purpose of God. You know, we can never presume to understand the will and the ways of God. As soon as we begin to think we understand those things, we're already starting to get in the way of what Jesus wants to do in our life. We simply are to surrender. Peter, though he made a true statement and the Holy Spirit spoke through him, became a stumbling block and Jesus confronted him out of love to help him understand you've got to refocus. You have to refocus, Peter. Get your eyes, get your mind off the things of men. That's not how I operate. 
Get your eyes, get your thinking on me and trust me and walk by faith and live by faith and I will accomplish my perfect will in you. Then Jesus goes on to really clarify this in verse 24. If anyone would come after me, he must do what? Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Deny himself. That means get ourselves out of the way. Take ourselves off some level of authority and, 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 and uh, power and put ourselves where we rightfully are as a submissive servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a slave, he bought us off the slave block by paying the price for our sin. He redeemed us. We don't get to make our own choices. In fact, we shouldn't want to. <laughs> we don't have to provide for ourselves. He'll do that. Matter of fact, he does everything for us and provides everything that we have need of. And the only thing the slave does is serve the master. <clears throat> and he doesn't look at his own wants and desires. Jesus said, listen, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself. Get out of your mind the things of man and get in your heart the things of God and trust me and let me lead and let me challenge you and let me rebuke you where I need to. Let me grow you where you need to be grown. Let me unify you because I'm the only one that can do that. Let me give you the peace that passes understanding and the joy that the world doesn't understand. Let me give you all of this and your response is simply to do what I've called you to do and that is to be on mission. Take the good news. Make disciples of all nations. Then he goes on, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good is it if a man, for a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. 2 Peter 3.9 says that God desires that none should perish, but that every person would come to repentance. That's his mission. That's his goal. But the very next verse says, but the day of the Lord will come. We don't know when it's going to be. Many times we're like uh, John in, in the book of Revelation. Even so, come Lord Jesus. We're ready. Come take us now. But that's our desire. It's obviously not his desire or he would have already done it. His desire and his mission is that as long as we are here, we are on mission with him. And we're not stumbling blocks. And we're not getting in the way of what he wants to do. And, and listen, very simply, when you step out of God's way, you're stepping into his will. When we step out of his way, we're automatically stepping into his will. Because then we are able to hear him and follow him in obedience to Christ. What do you want to hear from the Lord when you enter his kingdom? We should hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Not perfect servant. None of us will enter as perfect 
But he is looking for our faithfulness. And that faithfulness is consistency and persistence. It's following him and letting him lead us. It's allowing him to be glorified in our lives, to stay on the mission that he has given us, to follow to the ends of the world all that he desires for us to do in making disciples of all nations. That song that I opened with finishes like this. I am resolved, and who will go with me? Come, friends, without delay. Taught by the Bible, led by the Spirit, we'll walk the heavenly way. I will hasten, hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. Where are you at in your relationship with Jesus Christ this morning? Where are you at in line with his mission? Keep your eyes on Jesus, yes. But we can't keep our eyes on him and then get in the way of his purpose and his mission for us. Because he will challenge us with that. And we will be a stumbling block. We have to get out of our minds the things of man and how man operates and get our minds on the things of God. And how he operates. And God will work in and through us as individuals and as a body of believers to accomplish his perfect will for us in our churches, in our lives, in our communities, and in the world. He's in charge. We're his ambassadors, we're his servants. We need to serve in unity and in love and in grace to meet the needs of a lost world, which as we can see even now, how crazy things can become and not, not being critical of all the decisions and all the things that are being made. That's not what I'm saying at all. But we have a hope that the world does not have, that whether I live or die, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. My hope is not in the things of man or how man handles things. My hope is in Jesus Christ. So that matter, no matter what happens, I know he is with me now and I'll be with him in eternity. Let's bow our heads. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord. Maybe you're watching us online. God loved you so much that he sent his son into the world to pay the price for your sin. He died on a cross for a purpose. He rose from the grave, overcoming sin and death, so that you could have an eternal relationship with him that will begin today. The way that we come to Christ is when we acknowledge our sin. Confession is simply agreeing with God what he already knows, that we're sinners. That sin has separated us from him, and every single person has sinned in their life. And the Bible says that if we will repent of that sin, in other words, if we will turn away from our way and start following him, desire in our heart to follow Jesus Christ, and that if we believe that what he did on the cross was sufficient to pay the price, that what he did was real, that it was, it was eternal, he died and paid, our, paid the price for our death. He died our death on the cross. He had overcame that through the resurrection that we can be saved. And saved isn't becoming a church member. Saved is having a relationship with the creator and the sustainer and the redeemer of life. 
so that we will live with him forever, that we can serve him while we're on this earth, that we can unite in fellowship with other believers in worship and praise and ministry. All of that happens as a result of our giving our hearts to Jesus Christ. Whether you're online or whether you're here this morning, if, if you desire to receive God's free gift of salvation, you can pray a prayer something like this. Father, I know I, I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong in my life and, and I desire to have a relationship with you. I, I want to change my life. I want to turn from my way and follow Jesus. I believe with all of my heart. I believe completely and totally that what he did in dying on the cross and being buried and being rose again from the grave paid for my sin. Come into my heart, forgive me, and give me everlasting life. The Bible says when you pray a prayer similar to that, that the Holy Spirit will come in and you will become a new creation in Jesus Christ. And those who are already Christ followers, those who are already children of, of, of the kingdom, maybe we just need to pray and say, Father, am I a stumbling block to your will? Or am, am I a, in alignment with your will? Am I part of your mission? Or am I getting in the way of your overall mission? And if you're getting in the way and if the Holy Spirit reveals that, simply confess it. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Confess that and commit yourself. Father, I want to get in the center of your will as best I can. I want to be part of your mission. I want to work together with others in my family, in a church, in community. I want, to, I want to do what we need to do for people to come to know Christ as Savior and Lord for your honor and your glory alone. If you prayed either of those prayers, I'd like you to share either with our pastors who are down here at front, the men or women that are, are here if you're present with us. If not, um, message or email or contact the church here at Hoffman Town and let them know that God spoke to your heart this morning and that you want to follow up. You'd like to know more about becoming a Christian or living a Christian life or how you can get on mission with Jesus. But don't just turn, turn off the internet and go back to the way you were. We can never hear from God's word without having some response, whether it's a response where we're getting in the way of God and rejecting him or whether it's a response that we're submitting to his will. You, you only have those two options. My prayer is you'll respond to him in faith and obedience and trust. Father, thank you for our time this morning. I know that there are many who need the encouragement that only your spirit can give in times of uncertainty in this world. In the things of man, in the mind of man, it is uncertain. <laughs> but with Christ, there is absolute certainty that you will be with us and help us and encourage us and strengthen us and keep us on mission. It doesn't matter what happens in the world. We're your children. We're your ambassadors. Help us to be who you called us to be in Christ for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for being with us this morning. If you have anything you need to follow up with or pray, uh, Pastor Gregory is down here and you can come and visit with him or with me as we close this morning. And for those online, thank you for 
um, viewing and being a part of this worship service and keep uh, up with all the messages and all the information coming from Hoffmantown Church as to things that might be changing or, or uh, happening uh, this week because sometimes this can be a very fluid situation. Uh, if you're here this morning for your offerings, uh, you can drop those in those little boxes right there at the exit by the doors uh, here and uh, online. Remember, we, our giving isn't, isn't just compulsory. Uh, it's giving from the heart. So if, if you're not able to come to church, there's ways you can give online. Uh, go to the website and you can give your offerings and tithes that way. Uh, and if you have any questions at all, please call the church office and they will connect you with pastors and leaders who will help you understand uh, the direction things are going in this morning. So uh, uh, we are grateful to have you with us and may God bless you and keep you safe and healthy and uh, we'll look forward to connecting with you uh, throughout the week and, and next week as we gather again to worship. God bless you and keep you. Go out and do the mission. Be the missional people God's called you to be this morning and we'll be dismissed. Amen.